We're in the middle of a series called Amazing Grace. And as Jonathan said last week, the reason why we're spending a whole series on one word is because it deserves that much. This is one of these words that is just uh, so uh, deep and rich and wide that it, it needs to be talked about for a number of weeks. This week, we're going to be looking at the idea of sufficient grace. And so we're going to be tying the idea of grace to how God's grace is sufficient in times of suffering and pain and need. Now, when I think about this, you've heard me say before, because I, I think it's so true that it bears repeating, that the number one reason why people reject God is because of pain. Uh, if you, were to, if you were to think about yourself when you feel distant from God, or if you were to look at someone else who is struggling and having a relationship with God, what are they going to typically be talking about? Well, this is what's wrong in my life. And uh, God says that he's all-loving and all-powerful, but because this isn't happening in my life, he must not be true or real. And so why would I want a relationship with God who treats me like this? Pain is the number one reason, I would say, why people distance themselves from God. It's not intellectual. I think it's relational and personal. And so we feel as though we're victims of other people's sin. We're victims of our own circumstances. And why isn't God being more helpful? So uh, here's what I think happens. Is we use pain to justify being separate from God. A few months ago, we had a ladder on this side. And we had these chairs over on this side, and we were talking about something slightly different. But I'd like to use these same chairs again and talk about how I think this works. So if you can imagine the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in communion with one another in perfect fellowship. And they invite us to what it means to be a Christian is to come in to this relationship. The relationship that the Father uh, enjoys with the Son through the Spirit in that communion to be a Christian is to enter into fellowship with the living God. This is, uh, this is incredible. Imagine being invited for dinner uh, by someone who you deeply regret. I don't, I, regret? <laughs> that was not the word. Respect was the word. And uh, they're really famous, and you know, you just, and that they would invite you for dinner. Can you imagine being able to spend time with them? Well, the living God has done that. No one is more beautiful, more powerful, more excellent in every way, and more thoughtful towards you. And he invites you into relationship with himself. This is incredible. But what pain seems to do is to put a strain on that relationship. When you think of why you would separate yourself from other people, what's the reasons that you give? There are pain reasons, right? Uh, they said something that insulted you. They behaved in a certain way that you, you felt disrespected, uh, misunderstood. The same would be true in our relationship with God, that he seems to do something that hurts us. And so I can't do this because of the carpet. But imagine uh, you're sitting on the chair and something painful happens. And so you kind of dig in your heels and push back a little. I prayed and uh, you didn't answer my prayers, and you pushed back. And there were things that I'd hoped for. Uh, they don't happen. Why don't they happen, God? You say that you're all-powerful and all-loving. Why? If somebody does something you, uh, that's very hurtful towards you, and you go, God, you say that you're in control, and you didn't do anything about that? 
And so with each uh, experience of pain, we move farther and farther away from the relationship. And it seems as though pain has the power to justify being distant. And so we move away. Um, how then does God respond to our pain? How does, he, how does he bring us back into relationship? What does he do? Well, we have an example in scripture of somebody who went through a lot of pain. I would venture to say much more than anyone else in this room. And he's the apostle Paul. He was beaten, uh, left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was betrayed by often his closest friends. He was hated. Boy, you want to be hated? Be the apostle Paul. I mean, people were, as the saying, you know, spitting angry at him, wanting to kill him. He was starved. His responsibilities as he was a church planter, uh, the kind of the first church planter in the Christian church, he uh, uh, in tremendous responsibility on his shoulders. And then, if that's not enough, uh, he was tormented by an evil spirit. Scholars don't exactly know what this means. It could actually mean being tormented by an evil spirit. I just tend to think that's what it means. Um, but he prayed uh, three times for this evil spirit to be uh, taken away, or for it to, as it says, for uh, this spirit to leave him. Now, does anybody deserve to have that prayer answered more than Paul? I don't know of anybody who sacrificed more for God than the Apostle Paul. He's tormented by an evil spirit who, through his own hands, he delivered other people from evil spirits, asked God to do the same for him, and listen now to God's response to this very reasonable request. It's in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If you could put that up. Now, this is a fancy way for God, in responding to Paul's request to be delivered from this evil spirit, this is a fancy way of saying no. I don't think so. I, uh, no. I'm not going to do that. Instead, my grace is sufficient for you. What does that mean? He's asking to be delivered from an evil spirit. The response is no. Instead, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, when you think about God's grace coming into your life, what would you imagine? The living God has moved into your life. What would you hope would occur because of that grace, that empowering presence of God now in you? What would you hope for? Well, I'd hope for some better circumstances. That's what I'd like. Some blessings to come my way. Seems a little bit re reasonable. So when I think of grace, I think of the blessings of God. A change of circumstances. Maybe it's a raise or want to get married or whatever it would be, but something great would happen. You go on a really nice trip. I see it all the time on Facebook. I'm very jealous of all you guys. It's always very warm, hot places you go to. And so, uh, so is that the grace of God? Well, from this passage, the answer is no, that's not the grace of God. I mean, it might be, but not in this situation. Or maybe it's a change of feelings about the hard circumstances. 
So God says, look, my, my grace isn't necessarily going to take away the difficult circumstance, but you're going to feel better about it. It won't affect you in the same way. You'll kind of be above it. Maybe that's what we hoped that grace would be, right? It didn't seem as though Paul felt any differently about being tormented by a demon. He asked three times for it to go. So he's not happy about it, and he's not enduring it. He would rather not. I mean, he did, but he didn't want to. The second half of Romans 8 helps us understand what grace is. It's not going to directly refer to grace, but we'll tie the two together in a minute. Listen to what it says about suffering and weakness. It it describes uh, the Christian life being full of that. And then listen to what it says in verse 38, Romans 8. I'm convinced, you can put that up. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, this is a direct contradiction to our experience. All those things separate me from God. Haven't they separated you from God? Haven't you had life circumstances and demonic powers, difficult things, tribulations, happen in your life, and they separated you from God. You said, God, where are you in this difficult situation? How can I trust you? I can't trust you. I'm going to move a little bit farther away. And what we find in this scripture is it says that nothing can actually do that. Nothing can separate us from God. Even really, really deep, dark, painful experiences. So why? Why would Scripture seem to contradict our reality? And it's this. Grace is the sufficiency or power of God to keep us in relationship. The miracle of grace, the most remarkable aspect, I believe, of what grace is, is that it has the ability to keep us in relationship even when life is far less than ideal. This is how powerful grace is. Grace keeps us in relationship. Fascinating. So how does grace do this? How does grace seem to supersede our reality and our circumstances and enable this to happen? Grace bases our relationship with God on his love and power instead of our circumstances, feelings, or strength. So, in scenario one, when pain moves us away, what our confidence often is in is in our circumstances. So God, I feel really close to you when things are going well. But if things aren't going well, well, that moves me away. The second reason would be that um, my feelings, I don't feel connected to you. If you're, uh, if you're, Uh, you know, Canadian, I'm really relating to you right now because most of our relationship with God is based on our feelings. And so I talk to people all the time that says, I don't feel close to you, therefore I'm not. Simply on the basis of my feelings. So my circumstances, my feelings, how about my strength and my ability? So when do you and I feel closer to God? Well, it's when we're reading our Bible regularly, when we pray, when we do what he wants us to do, 
And we say, oh, I must be close. But the problem, of course, is when we have a bad day and we don't read our Bible, or the Bible doesn't make any sense, now we go, well, I guess I'm not close to you. I mean, I tried to be. I read my Bible, but you didn't explain it to me. That thing's hard to understand. So until you explain that to me, I can't be close to you. And so we base our relationship with God on us, our circumstances, our feelings, or our abilities, strengths. And grace comes along and says, you've got it all backwards. My relationship with you is not based on what you do. It's based on what I've done. And my love and power keep you close to me, even when your circumstances, feelings, and strengths aren't enough. The power of my grace is it transcends your weakness because the relationship is not built on your ability, it's built on mine. And the Bible calls that grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Not because you figured it all out. Not because the stars lined up. It is the gift of God. And so a grace relationship is thoroughly secure because it's built on his gift of love and power. It's, it's built on his forgiveness of sins and his ability, his strength to keep us close even when life is confusing and painful. Now, what's more, even more interesting, that's kind of Christianity 101. Now, what's more interesting to me as we look at this passage is what happens to pain when we're in grace. In uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, this is Paul again. We're focusing on Paul today. Here's what it says, and it'll be up on the screen. We have peace with God, that's relationship with God, we're in harmony with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by trust, by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. So as we trust in grace, instead of trusting in our abilities or strength or circumstances, we find ourselves in the presence of the living God. That's the summary of what we've talked about so far. But then it goes on in verse three. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So Paul says, get this, Paul says that pain helps him stay in relationship with God. Like, what do you, no, pain doesn't help us stay in relationship with God. It hurts our relationship. Is that not our experience? And Paul comes along and says, no, uh, I glory, I rejoice in my pain because it increases my confidence in the grace of God. Remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Paul says that pain helps us trust in grace. How does pain do that? How does pain do that? Um, I think it was six or so years ago. I was traveling around. I uh, was in China, home for a few days, went off to Nashville. Came the, the night that I came back from Nashville, it was uh, 4.30, 5.30, something like that in the morning. I wake up, and the room is violently spinning. I feel sick to my stomach. I try to go into the bathroom. I can't. 
I fall on the ground, and I am, I am not doing well. I try to close my eyes, but even when my eyes are closed, my eyes are doing this just as faster than my finger can do it. I can't focus on anything. The, uh, the ambulance comes, uh, lifts me into a wheelchair, that then they carry down the stairs, a little embarrassing, to the hospital. They can't figure out what's wrong with me. They get specialists in. They don't know what's wrong. Send me home. I go to a few other specialists over the coming week. I remember one particular time I went to a specialist, and I'm in the, I'm in the back of the car lying down. I can't move. <clears throat> and, uh, but I've got to get back into our house. <clears throat> so Debbie takes a, a blanket and lays it just outside of the car on the side of the street. And I, I mean, it's unfair, but with all of my strength, I throw myself onto this blanket. <clears throat> and then Dave, who was just speaking, and a few others, yeah, thank you, Trevor, wherever you are, still owe you one. They, uh, they pick me up, four men pick up this blanket and carry me into the house. I'm a grown man, and I'm being carried on a blanket into the house. <clears throat> I needed my friends in that moment. <clears throat> my uh, pain was to such an extent that I couldn't pull it together. I wanted to. Everything in me, in, I, you know, I don't want your help. <laughs> I'm embarrassed by that. But my pain catapulted me into relationship. Um, what if the reason why, just try to understand this, all right? What if the reason why pain separates us is because we're not in enough pain. I've been dizzy before. I think it runs in our family. My, you know, uh, vertigo. I've been dizzy before. And uh, it's not the Heimlich maneuver, but it's some other maneuver. I forget what it's called. <laughs> but there's some maneuver that you can do that you can straighten yourself out, and then it's all good again. And then I don't need to be carried into the house. Uh, this was beyond what I could pull together. And I was at a level of pain that my resources and my abilities were spent. <clears throat> Here's the problem with a little bit of pain. Is it, it doesn't challenge, and this is the big word, our pride. I, can, I, I think... If I were you, this is what I would do, God. This is how I would. If I had a child, this is how I would treat the child. This is how I'd change the circumstances, the feelings. This is what I would do. But there comes a point when pain just says, help me. This is, uh, this is what's talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect in weakness. This is what it says just a few verses earlier. To keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, this tormenting spirit. Uh, pain 
was being used by God, not caused by God, but used by God to confront the pride of Paul to keep him close. Here's what I would like to suggest to you. What if the thing that separates us from God is not pain at all? It's pride. What if that's really what's separating us from God? But we don't want to do that. I mean, that just makes us look bad. We don't want to say, I'm proud and sinful, so I'm going to churn away from you. Well, that doesn't look good. No, we'll say, look, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to read my Bible and do the right thing and help refugees and whatever it is we're doing, but you just never come through for me. And so it's your fault that I'm being distant. So when does pain help us turn to God? And when does it hurt our relationship with God? And I would venture to say others. It depends on whether we desire strength or weakness, pride or humility. This is what it depends on. In some ironic way, Pain is actually neutral. And what makes it something that draws us closer or draws us, excuse me, away is whether pride is motivating us or weakness is motivating us. And when humility motivates us, it draws us into relationship. And then because we need him, now we receive the grace. But if we're relying on our own strength and abilities, our own pride... God can't give us the grace that keeps us together. And so he allows pain to awaken our need for him so that we can be relying on grace instead of us and our circumstances. So pride pushes against God and uses pain to justify itself. Right? Listen to yourself Listen to others describe their pain when they're angry. You'll hear pride. When I approach pain in a way that makes me distance myself from my natural family, from my church, and particularly from God, pride is driving that. So, in conclusion, please don't push against grace. Don't push back and strain against the grace that is trying to, to keep us in relationship. Don't push against it. Please, don't know better than God. Don't be smarter than God. Don't rely upon your interpretation of your experiences. Don't push against grace and strain against the relationship. Trust in grace. Because grace understands and knows in ways that we never can want relationship more than pride. Want relationship more than pride. Pride always distances. Grace always draws us close. And here's the amazing thing. When we stay in grace, life is transformed by his presence. Imagine now, I, it, the, the analogy will break down very quickly, but imagine now being able to take this into our circumstances. 
where now uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from his grace. And so now I have his empowering presence, his fellowship with me in my pain, in my circumstances, in my confusion. I am no longer alone in those moments. Those moments are no longer reasons to separate. There's re- they, they become reasons to come close. And so that exact pain actually is keeping me reliant, keeping me being carried through life in a way that I desperately need. And so now we glory in our sufferings because they remind us of reality, of what's always been true, but we just couldn't see it, that we need his grace to live and breathe. And as our focus shifts off of our circumstances and feelings and ability and onto his and what he's done, we are now transformed and nothing can separate us from the love of God. And now we walk in freedom from sin and shame and guilt. Uh, We're going to be having full communion today. And it seems appropriate that we would let this communion be an opportunity to receive grace. To receive this grace that saves us from ourselves and our independence. And draws us into relationship because this is what grace is designed to do. Can you hear that? It is so beautiful that grace enables us to stay in relationship regardless of what life brings. That is the power of God that sets us free. We can have the worship team if you can come up. I'd like to pray for us, and then we'll uh, receive communion together in a moment. Oh, Father, I thank you that pain need not separate us from you. And I ask for my friends here today that you would give us the grace to be able to admit that pain was never the problem. Pride was. I I encourage you here today, let pride be your problem, not pain. Pain is a horrible problem to have. Pride is a better problem. Receive that problem. And as you do, grace will be there for you to deliver you from condemnation and from separation. And grace will be there to draw you in to fellowship with the Father. And so I ask now that you would enable us to admit our deeper problem. And in that place, that you would fill our weakness with your grace. The grace that keeps us close and the grace that gives us hope. Thank you, Father.